I have grown more in the last two and a half years that I have probably in my adultness. I mean, I'm a mother, of course, I'm not comparing my work to birthing a child, but personally and professionally, the amount of confidence that I have built, the amount of grit, dang, I feel like there's really nothing I can't do. And that might sound a little cliche, but I really feel that way. Like I have had to do some big things in my business and people's money is on the line. So of course I'm going to show up for them and do right by, by that. This is Show Your Business Who's Boss. Listen in on behind the scenes, unfiltered conversations with my favorite business owner friends who take charge and make their businesses work for them. Don't just be your own boss. Show your business who's boss. I'm Pia Silva. On today's episode, I'm so excited to chat with badass marketer and business owner, Aga Comboy. Aga's company, Agaland Brand, launches epic marketing for busy professionals, taking them from none to done in 90 days. You know I love that. She started her business less than three years ago, and as you're going to hear, she actually found my stuff really early on. She ended up joining my boot camp basically in the beginning and setting her whole business up in my business model. And I'm going to let her share her experience, but suffice it to say, she never looked back. She's just an incredible example of what's possible when you show up and do the work for your business. And she's already three years in living the Spain brain life of working less than 25 hours a week. We're going to chat about all kinds of things, including but not limited to how Aga used the confidence she got from doing a free lead product for a friend in the beginning and turned it into a $600 product. We'll share a personal development book that we both swear by that you must read. We'll talk about money stories that we all get from our parents, but especially how hard they are to overcome when your parents are immigrants, and what it's like to grow a business when you literally live in paradise. So buckle up. Here we go. People don't get the lead product all the time. It sounds like a really great idea, and then they don't know how to do it, and you particularly because you had just come from the agency world and you didn't have an existing business. So both of those are usually reasons why people don't get it. And so I'm super curious about just your initial experience with it, because I know you ended up really crushing it. So I'd be curious to know, like, did it work at first? Did it not work? Did you keep trying? Tell me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, with the lead product, I knew that what my friends, luckily, I had enough friends here that were open to trying it out. I said, Hey, I'm going to start a business, but I have this new way I am doing this, this product and it's called the brand jam. Now it's called the marketing jam because we evolved, but it was just a series of questions. So similar to what you do in agencies, when you're trying to get to know a client, there has to be a discovery phase. So this is sort of a discovery phase with each client. I set up some questions that I've either used before in business. I think I even pulled a couple of your questions and whatever I thought was going to make for an interesting conversation. And I just kind of let it happen. And people really enjoy talking about their business. And what I had experimented and found is that this might be the very first time that a person takes time out of their day to sit down and focus on this person's business, future, 
goals. So number one, I was like, okay, this, this space that I give each client is special. So how am I now going to deliver value with whatever this product turns out to be? So after answering those questions, I'm able to then discern some things that I think are either working in their business or some new opportunities that they could consider trying. You know, we talk about you don't sell strategy, so I don't call it a strategy anymore. I call it a plan of action. And it's just a few pages of ideas that have to do with their target audience, what platforms they should consider trying, what is their content plan, how are they going to stand out and be memorable, because clearly what they've been doing up to this point maybe hasn't been getting the attention that they were looking for. And I see these things in the business or in the person far more than they see it in themselves. And I think that's where the magic happens. And I just kept doing it over and over. And it felt great because I knew, again, this is the first time that they're probably opening up their business. And I also knew that I'm able to help them, whatever the issue is, as long as it's related to marketing, (laughs) I can help them and I can coach them through it. And I can relieve some of the stress and anxiety they might have about the business. So after trying this out with some of your friends and just experiencing over and over again, by the way, that was a great description also of what really the magic of a lead product is. You know, I say lead product on this podcast, like people know what I'm talking about. If you're listening, I assume you know what I'm talking about. But the lead product is something I I talk about a lot. And it's really can explain it a lot of different ways, but basically replaces the proposal in a creative process. Usually people pitch proposal and then they do the discovery after once somebody signed on for a project. And instead I say, forget that. Don't write a proposal at all. Sell the discovery. Just be smart about how you sell it. Don't sell strategy. And then you use that as an as a lead product as a first step into working with you. And so the reason that it works so well is because of exactly this beautiful description that Aga just gave us, which is this opportunity for this client to open up about their business. And I think that's true. You know, you're talking about about business owners who you're saying this is the first time maybe that they've ever had this space. But I think that kind of clarity is that kind of session and that kind of clarity is so valuable for business owners who have done it a million times, you know, because this is the kind of work it's taking a, a time out of your busy business filled life to sit down and actually ask the hard questions, get the bigger picture again, like refocus, relook at things you thought you were going to do. And that is something we need to all do often. So Mm-hmm. I can see why you're obviously I know that, you know, it's a really clarifying experience. So then what would happen? So you were mm-hmm. so do you you started by doing them for free and then you started selling them? Oh, yeah, I didn't do them for free for very long. OK, awesome. <laughs> I'm very took to your teaching about <laughs> hold on a second. If I don't value my time, nobody else will. Yes. So I think my first price was two ninety seven, which lasted a whole month. Okay. And then kept going up to 397, 497. And with that, it wasn't just the the time, of course. It's the expertise, the ability for me to be able to discern where they're wasting energy and where they could improve and and really take their business to the next level. That is worth its weight in gold. So yeah. at this point, the marketing jam is usually priced in that 597 range. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of buying that plan of action. So someone like a real estate agent, and there's plenty of them here, now knows I don't have to compete with 
anybody on this island. I have a very clear idea of what I should be doing and how to make those connections. And it works, but they're busy. They're busy selling houses. They're busy meeting clients. So they bring me on board for the 90-day package. And in the last two and a half years that I've been doing this work in my own business, of course, like I said, I've been doing it for over a decade. I've been able to establish a 90-day process where I take them from none to done. Some of them are like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I needed. And I didn't have the focus and I didn't know where to start. And I was just so unclear about this point. And now they have the clarity and they have this newfound confidence and they feel like jazzed up. And some of them take the plan and run with it. You do an amazing job for your clients, but I'm I'm just as curious about your, your own business and like how, because you recently decided to niche down further. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't remember what your niche was before. Maybe you didn't have one, but what was it and what is it now? And why did you do that? So there was a time when I was trying things out, right? So I wasn't sure who my clients were going to be. I actually wanted to help who you call the mommy brands. Did I call <laughs> Mom- mompreneurs? Yeah. yeah, that's a great way of saying it. I was one. I happen to be a marketing expert, but I am also a mom and I am looking for work-life balance. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is this is not an official definition, but I think of mompreneurs or mommy brands as the business itself is also related to being a mom. Okay. I I think that distinction, I don't know why, <laughs> but like I wouldn't call you a mompreneur or myself, yeah. actually. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I see that for sure. So some of my friends out here are, they either have a an education program that they're trying to promote to parents or they're an artist or they're a hairdresser and maybe they took some time off and they wanted to go back into it yeah. and they've been out of the workforce for a while. So I get together with them. We sort of do the marketing jam and now they have the clarity. So there's somebody who will execute that plan themselves. Yeah. What I enjoy doing is now that we've put all this work and energy into creating a plan, I want to execute that plan because I know I'll do it really well. Mm -hmm. And I know that it will bring the results and make this business look wonderful. But of course, that takes a budget Mm -hmm. and somebody who is a busy professional to recognize that this is a valuable resource and they're not going to try to do their own marketing. (laughs) So that's where I niche down and I go with busy professionals. I remember when we were chatting about this because you really wanted to help Mm -hmm. like these more like women who are getting back into the workforce and want to have their own business or they have their own business, but they want to get it bigger, but they're not going to be in a position to hire you for tens of thousands of dollars to do this 30 day plan. And I think that a lot of people are in that situation. And that's why I kind of wanted to talk about it because it's a decision to say, okay, well, for now, because you were kind of working with both before. Mm -hmm. And they're really two different markets. Yeah. And I think the way it made sense in my head is the marketing jam is for everyone. Mm -hmm. I truly believe that if you have a business, if you're selling something, a product or a service, the marketing jam will help you, period. Mm -hmm. But I can see how that would confuse the message of what I'm ultimately selling, which is the 90-day package. Mm -hmm. 
So that's evolving. Yeah. Well, I think it's a perfect case study that I think a lot of people uh, are in that position. It makes perfect sense. You can sell the marketing jam to everybody and then some people upsell and others don't. If you're going to do that, though, I think you want the marketing jam to be at a higher price point, right? Mm -hmm. Like you just raise the price enough where it makes more sense. Now, $597, $600, it's nothing to, you know, what's the word? Turn your nose up at. Mm -hmm. But it's, but if you're looking to make multiple six figures in your business, it doesn't get made on selling a bunch of $600 products. It gets made on a lot of those upselling. So Mm -hmm. if you're going to be doing five marketing jams a month, you want to be doing them with people who are much more likely to be upselling. And I think Mm -hmm. that was where the ultimate decision to say, okay, for now, we're not going to go for the people who are definitely not going to buy this from me. In fact, you could still do that for them. It would have to be on a higher, you could you could just charge more for everybody. I think that would be totally fine. But I think the other thing we talked about is that it's not like you can't help them ever. It's just Absolutely. like for now, staying focused right. because then your messaging got way clearer, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, through the program with Pia that you mentioned, first of all, the group is amazing and I'm so glad to be a part of it. It's It was a good group. They're they're so badass. <laughs> <laughs> you did a, you did good. We were challenged all the time. We're challenged to think differently, to try different things, to get out of our comfort zone. And it was very comfortable for me to continue this way because that's what's been working. And like you said, $600 is $600. And I know I'm helping this person who lives in my town pretty much. And I see them regularly, but now, you know, I'm able to help them in a way that I enjoy doing. So this definitely helped me niche down. It also allowed me to be more brave in my messaging. I've kind of toyed with this idea. I mean, in the beginning, I think it was like 90 days to stand out brand. I thought that's bad, but it's boring. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like stand out brand. People don't even know what brand is. Mm -hmm. So through doing enough marketing jams and through creating this process, I was able to determine like, I know I can do it in 90 days and I can, I can do it well. And the foundation is built for this person to then continue on or continue working with me. The, the, the decision to, to niche down and focus in this area for now, knowing that you can go back to the mompreneurs later if you want, but you got to put the mask on yourself first. You got to build that. I want you to be do I want you to be booking two or three of these big whale clients at 30 day none to done packages. I want you to book three of those a month and then you can go help mm-hmm. the mompreneurs. That's that's definitely the dream. Sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about I mean, it's been two and a half years, that's it. It seems far far longer than that. <laughs> it's been a journey. I I have to remind people like two and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> is not a long time from beginning of business to where you are now. I mean, obviously, again, you came with 11 years of experience before you even started doing this, but that's completely different. I don't care how expert you are. When you start a business, you're at step one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are at the beginning. I love you as a little case study for me because you never really tried it a different way. You went straight into this package <laughs> services I thought I have all this experience. I've done all this work for big brands and I should have the skill and the expertise to be able to help someone 
little did I know that it wasn't just going to be as easy as I have all these tools and let me just build up shop and open for business. The <laughs> biggest thing that I have that I experienced having my own business is the personal development part. Mm. I didn't know what imposter syndrome was before, which of course now I do. I knew the concept of it, but I didn't realize it happened so often in entrepreneurship. You had mentioned that I manifested things because we're sitting here and I'm having a podcast with you two and a half years after discovering your work and, and applying my business and putting kind of all your teachings uh, into my business. But the 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 personal discovery, the personal growth, the leaning into the uncomfortable, the really like weird stuff that comes up when it's your name on the line. And when you have to be that person in your business, it's, it's a mind trip. I mean, I think probably a lot of your listeners will relate to that. I think every day there's a new challenge. And I just listened to one of your recent podcasts where you talked about the experimenting or the challenge. It's always new. Always new. You're always <laughs> doing something that you don't know how to do. That's what it was. And when I say I had a comfortable job, I mean, it wasn't without its challenges, but it was very comfortable. I had a team. I had an IT person. We had HR. We had all the tools and resources we would ever need to make your job a success. And now you have to be your own accountant, your own IT, your own everything. <laughs> you have to manage teams. You have to figure out how does that payment option work? Why is this glitch happening? But uh, it's part of the ride, I guess, is what we signed up for. You got to figure all that stuff out. And even if you hire people, you have to figure it out because you got to figure out who to hire. <laughs> and then when oh, you hire yeah. them and they don't know and they don't do a good job, you have to figure out if they're not doing a good job. I mean, it's endless. Mm -hmm. That's part of the fun. I mean, it's only been two and a half years. Like, how do you feel like that's changed you so mm -hmm. far? I now this is a big statement. Go ahead. I have grown more in the last two and a half years that I have probably in my adultness, <laughs> my adultness. I mean, I'm a mother, of course, I'm not comparing my work to, 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 to birthing a child, but personally and professionally, the amount of confidence that I have built, the amount of grit, yeah. I mean, dang, I feel like there's really nothing I can't do. And that might sound a little cliche, but I really feel that way. Like I have had to do some big things in my business and people's money is on the line. So of course I'm going to show up for them and do right by, by that. But the fact that like I got an accountant, like a big girl and I have somebody else helping with my money situation. Cause I knew that intimidated the heck out of me. The other big lesson is that money is not evil. And that's a whole other podcast we could have. I came from, you know, humble <laughs> beginnings. There's a lot of scarcity. And even the word scarcity, like I would have never used it in a sentence before. That scarcity mindset and abundance mindset. It's like I picked up a new lingo, mm -hmm. a new language that is like second nature to me now. And I can't really talk about it with everybody, mm -hmm. but I can certainly talk about it with my other entrepreneur and business owner friends. Yeah. 
Wow. So what, how did you, cause it seemed like you had no problem stepping into the like, no, I'm going to charge you for this. You're going to pay me. I mean, you raised your prices pretty quickly. I mean, you've gotten your prices to 30 grand for some of your packages, like, and you've gotten mm-hmm. paid for it, which is so impressive mm-hmm. in less than three years. How did you get a lot of people have been in business for, I know people have been in business for five, 10 years and 30 grand for a, for a project for their business is unfathomable. It wouldn't have happened without the personal piece to it. I knew that the package I was selling, I remember, cause this was the biggest package I sold. I remember crunching some numbers just to kind of have a frame of reference. And I remember telling my husband, I was like, what they want and for me to do it at a high caliber is going to cost 30,000. And of course I had a moment of like, can I sell a 30,000 package? And of course there were other, you know, the three packages that you present that, you know, is going to make a difference, but the 30,000 one is going to make the biggest difference. There was a moment of hesitation, but I put on, you know, (laughs) my big girl pants. I had to say girl, I just put on pants that day. (laughs) I showed up like a boss, (laughs) but I did it knowing that it was going to make an impact in their business. I didn't do it because I wanted to make 30,000. I did it because number one, I mean, 30,000 in agency pricing is come on. And they were getting a brand new website, video, photo shoots, like, and I've had to unlearn some old money stories. Yes. They said yes. And it proved to me that people were going to pay that price because it's worth that price and more. Obviously, clearly, Pia, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just not forget it's worth more. Yes. But yeah, I had to break up kind of with the old way of that's why probably I went into nonprofit. I was like, oh, but I'm not in it for the money. I'm in it to make a difference. And then I had to learn wait a second, <laughs> I can make a substantial difference if I have a profitable business. I can make a difference in my family and break some of those like old stories and some old cycles. And I can make a difference in my community and I can better support the charities and causes I care for. To this day, talking about money is a topic that I know I can't talk to a lot of my friends about. And it's a weird thing. It's a very weird thing. And I think I was one of those friends before where a good friend of mine was going after a a big job. And I asked her, and maybe because I'm Polish and sometimes I'm a little (laughs) forward and um, like, okay, well, what's the job? Like, this is big deal. I'm so excited for you. And she felt a little shy talking about, you know, this new, this new salary. And I think that's a normal Reaction. I, I mean, it's not like I was pressuring that. her. Yes. It's like women have this weird, uh, whatever it is, maybe men as well, where m- money is this strange, strange thing. We've been and taught it. I think we've been taught it's taboo for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why like it's taboo. It's not tactful to talk about money. Yeah. Like it's, it's tacky. Not something. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, and, and we, find so much, you know, we celebrate when we get something on sale and we were so thrifty and all of that stuff. Like it's it's cool almost. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, I find myself saying that, you know, if somebody 
I, I actually read that. Maybe it was, it feels like a Brene Brown thing. So I don't know if I'm going to give her the credit, even though I don't actually remember. But it was like, you notice how when people give you a compliment as a woman, you know, your reaction is often. And after I read it, I was like, oh my God, I do do that. It's like, oh, this, yeah, I got it at a something that's cheap. Or, oh, some, you know, this is all oh, this thing. Or, oh, I haven't cut my hair in forever. Oh, no. You know, it's like a co- immediate deflection. And I don't know why why we do that. It's yeah. like not okay to just accept the compliment or say, oh, this, yes, it was very expensive. <laughs> Isn't it fabulous? <laughs> Don't I look oh, amazing? Yes. And maybe that would come across tacky, but not in like your circle of friends that love you and know you. <laughs> I will never forget this moment in college. I was with a, a, f- a new friend of mine because it was freshman year, so we couldn't have been that good friends. And we were, we were like dancing around somewhere because we're both dancers. And, and she like, she like looked at me or said something and she was like, like, you look amazing. So do I like, man, we're crushing. (laughs) And there was just something about the way she said it. I was like, yeah, girl, own it. (laughs) You're right. I don't know why I would, I I was like kind of uncomfortable. And I was like, no, why would I be? You're right. You do look hot right now. I think this is self-worth, right? So bringing it back, this entire Everything you're teaching is, even though it's not really personal development, it is professional development and kind of owning your worth. And everybody's going to have a different worth. And I think it's just the evolution of a person. Like, you know, you have to start somewhere, right? You have to do the free session to be able to then charge for that session and then know people are willing to pay that because you know that you are making a difference in their business. And and then you just kind of arrive at a place where you see in business people worth, they, they put such a tremendous amount of worth on the work that they do that it only makes others recognize that worth even more. Mm. It's like you say, command that premium price and not be, you're not teaching fools to trick people into you know, cheating people. You're, you're, I remember that in your lesson or somewhere like you got to do this work. Well, like I do not condone people half-assing this work and the badassery. You are a badass. <laughs> yeah, don't use my name. It's some crappy work. <laughs> yes. You are a badass because you provide the results and you truly show up and you do the work and it makes a difference and you can stand by those results. So what's your price? How much are you willing to bet on yourself? Yes. Well, I love that, obviously. So I feel like all business development is personal development because it requires you to develop yourself personally in order to do that. And there's a lot of universal lessons in business development that just translate to you as the person. But I'm curious if you have invested in or read books that have had a particularly profound effect on you that were just personal development Mm -hmm, type mm -hmm. of things. Yes. So love that question, especially because I remember back in my comfortable job, There was a lot of folks that were kind of going through personal development series and workshops because that's what our employer offered at the time. You know, they're like, hey, we believe in you as a whole individual. So you can go to this empowerment shop or you can do this and that. And I was like, so not into any of it. Oh, really? (laughs) And then I'd go into my favorite bookstore because that's what I enjoy most is working at a bookstore, having a coffee and doing whatever I'm doing. And 
coming across the Badass book series by Jen Sincero and kind of picking up the Badass one, the first, I think, of its, of its series and sort of rolling my eyes at it, only to then, a few years later, be in the place where I'm building a business. And then I picked up Jen Sincero's You're a Badass at Making Money. Did I like get hit over the head with the truth bombs of, holy cow, I have had these crazy money stories that I've grown up with. Never did I ever consider those before. I went into nonprofit probably thinking subconsciously that money is a root of evil because maybe of the struggles and challenges that my parents experienced with money. And I was forced to look at those stories and I had a choice. Am I going to perpetuate those stories or I'm going to break the cycle and create new stories? So I kind of credit that book for opening my eyes up to the money journey my own mm-hmm. personally. And then of course, the next book, all time favorite is The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And I believe it was a recommendation that came from one of the Facebook groups that we're a part of based on yes. program. Well, that's the that's the number one book that I recommend people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm sure you've seen me recommend it a couple of times. <laughs> I love that book. I'm so glad you read it. Oh yeah. It was still earlier on in, in the in the journey early enough to recognize and maybe read the book at the perfect time because I knew I was getting in my own way. I knew that my upper limiting, upper limit, is it? Yeah. Upper limit. The upper limit. Yeah. I was kind of coming up to a threshold and anytime there was like a resistance, I was like, okay, that means something big is about to happen and I don't have to be afraid and you are entitled to live a good life. And I think we forget or we have a sense of guilt or whatever it is, shame to like live a good, comfortable life where you don't have to worry about where Mm -hmm. your money's coming from and where you can support the causes and charities that you care about. Staying broke doesn't do that. There's no like, you know, cool club where people just, you know, want to stay broke because it's like the cooler thing to do. I don't know. I mean, some of this stuff is ridiculous. I don't know where it comes from, but it's it's real obviously and it does limit and prevent us from reaching the next level and i think the person that decides to be profitable and have success in their business is the person that decides i deserve this i recognize there's struggle and there's some things that i'm going to have to face that are uncomfortable but i'm going to do it anyway yeah well i think it's also just even being able to spot those moments. You know, I think that that book does a really good job of pointing that out. And he tells a really good story about, let's give him something to talk about. What's her name? Oh, Reba? Reba? Trap? Chapman? No, no, no. No. She's redhead. (laughs) Oh, Rita McIntyre? No, no, no. (laughs) Oh, now whoever's listening, obviously she is (laughs) something to talk about. I'm going to have to find it. Nick of Time, Bonnie Raitt was such a huge album when it came out and it was just a game changer. And she took blues and rock and she like mixed these different sounds. And she made this like number one selling album that just took her to a different stratosphere. And that, you know, that distinction between success and like, a level of success where you're actually like changing the conversation or you're like influencing how music is done afterwards. You become one of the people that everybody's emulating that and not because becoming that kind of influence is necessarily what makes it successful, but it's more like breaking through to it. I 
interpret it anyway, is like breaking through to a a different level of like understanding of your own abilities or, or creativity. You know, it's like it's like acquiring a level of mastery and understanding that you can create something that is truly something special. And until you break through that higher upper limit, you're still kind of doing it the way other people are doing it, or you're still kind of doing it, you know, based on what success is for other people or like, yes, I have the house in the Hamptons. Like, so now I'm a success. It's like, are you, did you really do like your thing though? Anyway, that's how I, Mm -hmm. that's how I read it. That's exactly what the book is about. But I would say since I was so early in my journey, what stood out to me is that there are steps to get to that place. Like you're not ready for the big leap until you test your service for free yes. and then you charged 97 and then 397 and then 497. And so you're making little big leaps along the way. But the point of it is, is that you're making those leaps. Yes. The point is that you are recognizing there's something bigger on the other side. And in order to reach that level of success, whatever that is for you, you have to do the uncomfortable. You have to, like you said, recognize when you're in mm-hmm. it because it doesn't all feel comfortable. Yes. <laughs> like you are facing a lot of deep truths and having to dig through all that yuck stuff that maybe you've always known to be true. And now you're like, oh crap. I mean, what I want is on the other side. How am I going to get there? You know what, actually? And to that point, all those little, those steps that everybody has to take because you can't get there right away. It's, it's almost like each one of those is the practice of stretching that, right? Mm-hmm. Like the practice of under, of experiencing that discomfort and moving through it is how you go from 297 to 397 to 597 to, you know, like you can't, you can't bypass a lot of that because it's not that you're bypassing the price. We're using that as an example. It's that you're by, you can't bypass the experience of going through like whatever is most uncomfortable for you right now in order to get to a place where that's not uncomfortable at all. (laughs) And it's something much bigger that is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You have to like build up to it. There's another gal in a business, Denise Tuffield Thomas. She's a big manifesting person and her book is Get Rich, Lucky Uh Bitch. Okay. I've heard that. And it's just like turning again, turning everything we know on its head. Like she does. And she also has a book called Chillpreneur, Mm -hmm. which I think like you kind of have the chillpreneur lifestyle already where it's okay to ask for help. For example, outsourcing the things that take up too much of your energy and just be very precious with how you, where you spend your energy. So if it means that you're building a business, but it means that you don't have eight hours to build it, that means in however many hours during the day that you choose to build it on, that's like your best time. You know, if if it's four hours a day, then what are you doing the rest of the time? Are you seeking knowledge and continually growing and what is that 50, 25, 25% Mm -hmm. rule that you always talk about, like 50% in your business, 25 on your business and the other 25 to do whatever you please. Like that is so, you know, like innovative because we've been forced to think that a work day is eight hours yeah, and that we have to work Monday through Friday. Like I still have this I guess a little bit of guilt where I like leave work, quote unquote, right? (laughs) because I want to do something with my kid. So it's just a kind of reminder, like it's actually what you want because it is your business Mm -hmm. and how you structure your day, 
what information you seek, how you service clients, what packages, that is all up to you. Now, that's fun, but also <laughs> sometimes daunting because, you know, it's it's a lot of pressure, but pressure makes diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you structure your how do you structure your day and your week considering you live in paradise? Well, my kids are on spring break this week and my husband has a big birthday tomorrow. So I'm not going to work tomorrow is Wednesday and I'm going to just enjoy celebrating my husband and not feel guilty that I'm not quote unquote working, but I enjoy what I do. So I typically work. Should I share how many hours? I mean, I'm trying to like think what well, paints a good picture. I don't work 40 hours. <laughs> I don't work. What do you mean? Well, I feel like it would, I would, it would come as a surprise if I tell people I don't work 40 hours a week in my business because I don't because I live in Hawaii and I have two young kids. And for the majority of last year, they were not in school. So mm. thank goodness that I was able to build a business that allowed me to still land my biggest client in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. While also attending to my kids and sharing homeschooling responsibilities and keeping safe and whatever that meant. But yeah, the living in Hawaii. Does it make it harder or yes, easier? Sometimes to it does. I definitely, I feel like I sometimes miss out on a lot of the day stuff like Tons of my friends are moms who homeschool and they go on adventures and hiking all the time. But I don't feel like I'm missing out. I, I know that it's I could at any point join them. But what I'm doing gives me so much joy. And I'm so driven and motivated to keep building this up that it's an easy choice for me to make. Like we have great time over the weekend. I skip out of work on, you know, early on Friday. I sometimes they'll come into the office on Monday. There's a co-working space here in my town. I just like to come in to see other humans. We all have our own businesses here. It's nice to be able to, you know, have coffee and just talk with other adults. But but I work maybe 25 hours a week in my business. And that's, that's a lot, probably. And I don't mean to sound like whatever. It's just the reality. My kid gets out of work early. Or I'm sorry, gets out of school early. I like to have dinner on the table. I don't shop anymore. I have Instacart deliver my groceries. I have a lovely, beautiful cleaning lady and cleaning ladies. Again, I'm like worried about what's the right. I have somebody that <laughs> helps uh, clean our home. Yes. And having made that decision, oh, gosh. you have to, it's like life changing. And not only that, I don't know if the previous session recorded, so I'll say it again. When I hired an accountant for my business, that to me was like me kind of reaching that next level. My parents, I mean, the, the idea of hiring somebody else to manage your financials would blow their mind. It's just not something you did. Really? Yeah. It's, you know, it's kind of like grandma had money under the mattress in Poland because ah. it was post-communism and sure. people were fearful of the government. And that's where some of that money money story came from living in post-communist Poland with tons of scarcity. And now we have this new lingo as entrepreneurs, like scarcity mindset, abundance mindset, and manifesting and upper limit. Like that is a language that I did not have in my vocabulary before I became an entrepreneur. So it's 
it's been a journey. And like I said, I think it's made me more confident and just believe that I could pretty much do anything. If you can run a business, if you can problem solve all the time and have to figure something new out all the time, you know, you really do flex that muscle enough to know that like, man, I'll be okay in this world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. I know, I know a few people with, who are first generation from that part of the world. One friend who's, she grew up in Serbia. I don't even know if it was Serbia when she was first born. I don't remember when it changed or another from Romania. I don't know if it's like all kind of similar. My parents, my parents, my grandparents are from the Russian Poland border Mm -hmm. and these things go deep. Like my dad was born here, but those kinds of stories get passed down until Mm -hmm. someone like you, someone like me changes it. Mm -hmm. Like it, it has to be a deliberative act or else it will just continue to go through your, your family. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, I am thankful to have noticed that. And it's not like people didn't maybe talk about it before, but I find that now maybe it's a blessing and a curse. (laughs) Like there's no, people are a lot more introspective. Like we question everything, you know, people I think are more open to things like therapy and, and it's been a hard year. For everyone. So especially yeah. now, especially now, I think we're more, more open to different ways and, and perspective and questioning things that maybe don't serve us anymore and breaking old family stories or money stories or cycles. And well, we have the luxury to do that, right? Like they, a lot of these exactly. people I'm talking about didn't have, you can't do that. You know, my grandparents were in the depression, like <laughs> you can't. <laughs> You can't question these kinds of things when you're struggling to find food and a hundred percent. When you don't know when your yeah. next meal is coming from, you're not talking yeah. about manifesting no. food or abundance. Yeah, you're at the bottom of the Maslow pyramid, but we are fortunate enough to be here, so we can. We have the space, so we must. Right? Like we I must agree. for our children. The science of getting rich is that another book? It's something like I don't know. Oh man, the science it was one of those books that was written forever ago. Like similar to how to make friends and okay. influence people. It was sort of okay. that era where people were coming out with these crazy, yeah. profound statements. And I think the first 10 mm-hmm. pages talk about like, it is your responsibility as a healthy human to produce and create wealth. As mm. a matter of fact, if you don't, it almost has this like, you know, waving finger at you. If you don't, then you, you're screwing up as a human. <laughs> I'll have to check that out. Have you have you read any uh, Anne Rand? Ayn Rand? Mm-mm. No. Okay. Well, I have to. Apparently, yes. Yeah. She's very. <laughs> <laughs> she's all about the individual's uh, responsibility of making wealth. That's why I was curious. I'll have to check. I'll have to check it out. Cool. Well, so what's next for you? What's the What's the dream? Where do you want to be in twelve months? In twelve months, I want to have a systemized business with a team to help support the vision, which I kind of do now. When I say kind of, I don't have full-time employees. I have wonderful contractors that help bring the vision to life. And, you know, just continuing to pass that six-figure mark. And I say that with confidence and courage because 
maybe even two years ago. I don't know that I could say that without sounding confused, if that makes sense. You know how to get there now, right? What's yeah. the plan? Well, the plan is to sell 90-day packages, Pia, and also look at other opportunities to be profitable and support my husband as well. He's starting his business, so he knows somebody who can help with his marketing. <laughs> but Perfect. Well, there you go. There's your first <laughs> There's uh, your whale of a client. Yeah, yeah, I mean, what's so nice about, you know, I don't have to know every detail of the finances of, of any of the people I work with, when I know their packages, it's like, all right, well, we know exactly how many of those you need to sell. Like, go sell five of those. <laughs> you know, like, go close five clients. That's all you have to do for the entire year, right? Exactly. And I honestly, I just, I'll continue kind of modeling sort of this business, you know, setup that you have structured or help teach us on because there's different versions of it, of course. You know, you're not the only person that celebrates financial freedom and I'm not <laughs> I know that's You're all anyone talks about <laughs> well I'll take it I'll take it something yeah, that I think deserves more attention it's not just about the grind it's about making business work for you and whatever that looks like it's it's your responsibility to build it on your terms that serve your family your health your wellness in the best way possible and one of my favorite quotes is from actually a poetry book, which I don't read too much of. But ever since then, it just resonates. It's almost like a little mantra I tell myself, which is, of course, I want milk and honey. But I don't want the milk and honey for myself. I want to oh, sweeten so the life of people around me. And it's kind of removes that that selfishness. And I don't that's not the right term. But it's not just about you. You know, it's like you're doing this for your family. Like, I'm so excited to show my kids this this business that it's possible. I'm so excited to support my family because, you know, that's kind of what I'm right. expected now as the immigrant child. <laughs> and to build this new story and to sort of build the the life and the life that that we deserve that my family deserves that my community deserves and support the causes that are that are dear to me so that's what the business allows me to do and what i love about that and small business in general is like everyone can do it mm -hmm. like i don't think of it it's not a zero sum game you know like the more people that do it the more that we can do it especially because so many people in your position in my position these small agency owners or a, a lot of us are helping small businesses and when small businesses are thriving it creates a lot of opportunity for other small businesses to thrive absolutely that's Another lesson that has definitely stuck with me is sort of this like ecosystem that we're building because I think the yeah. days of big corporations, not that they're going away and not that people aren't going to continue working for those big corporations. It's giving them a salary. Mm -hmm. That's how they choose to support their family as they should. Everybody makes choice that's best for them. But when you support a local bakery or when you buy a product from a family that you know, you know, that feels differently. It, like you said, it, it helps to show other small business owners that it's possible and maybe they're taking back that reality for themselves. It's letting them uh, build the life that they want. I'm with you. Yeah. I, 
I mean, what's so fun about being in the small service space is that I get so many ideas of people I can hire. Yeah. <laughs> like I love that I'm like, oh, you do this weird thing that I would never think you could hire someone to do. Yes, mm-hmm. you do it. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. You know, like it's so much fun to have abundance of money from small businesses to then pay small business owners to also do exactly. their thing to, I mean, usually it's it's about two things, like making life a little bit more enjoyable and freeing up a little bit more time. But what's nice as a small business owner for me, because I'm always very pragmatic, is like, it's a no brainer to spend money on someone to clean your house, like someone to organize this thing or to do this work for you. It's a no brainer if you have dialed in how valuable your time is. So when you know a couple of extra hours working can get me literally thousands of extra dollars. Oh, well then of course I should hire people to do everything. <laughs> and I just and they're you, also happy about it. Yeah. That's a huge milestone. Like yeah. that was a huge threshold for me. My husband I bet. slowly getting there. But he was raised by very conservative, very financially planful family. Most, many of my friends, you know, those who are moms or parents or not even parents are like, oh, I should be able to do this. Oh, I can just do it. Or I can clean the house. Oh, I should make my own meals and, and, and do all these chores. I'm like, of course, yes, but should you really? It's kind of like that concept of just because you can doesn't mean you have to. Yep. I feel like bringing it back to business, small business owners have been cheated or even busy professionals, I should say, have been cheated to think that just because that service is accessible to them, just because social media is accessible to everyone, that you, busy professional, should be spending your time on social mm-hmm. media doing your own marketing. Forget mm-hmm. that it may not be that simple. And the time that you're wasting trying to figure out how to make a post, <laughs> how to create a uh, content that your people care about is taking time away from your zone of genius. So, and, um, and leveraging your time best. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. If you're a mortgage broker, you can, if you get one, I mean, this is how I like to try to really simplify it for people. Like if you can get just one extra client from all those hours that you're futzing around on Instagram, not knowing what you're doing and nothing, literally nothing is happening because you don't know what you're doing. If you can get one extra client, like Mm -hmm. what's that worth? (laughs) You know? And if you can, if you start to, I I feel like I I look at the world like that. I'm like, if this, then not that, if this, then not that. And if you can start to quantify Mm -hmm. things like that, it becomes really easy to invest in stuff because, because it's really clear, like what you're, what your time is worth and what you can do. And I think most people are small business owners specifically, they go, they don't see that time, that money value of time because they go, yeah, but I don't know how to get more clients. So it's not like an extra two hours of my time makes money, right? I think that's what most people would think. Okay, but I don't have that client. So if I don't clean my own house, then I just am spending that money. But the point is, when are you going to move to the next part where you do know that those extra hours are going to get you that extra client. And unless you hire people to create that space to figure that out, you will never be in a place where you understand that these extra hours actually equal dollar amounts. Absolutely. And I think the 
second tier to that is when you recognize that you don't have to do this business alone. Mm. When you start to value yourself as a growing entrepreneur, you recognize that you can hire people to help you attain the next level. So that's kind of the other flip side to that, right? So you can hire folks to help with the things that maybe are not your strength. Mm -hmm. So what's it called? You you do the strengths and hire out the weakness, Mm -hmm. or you do the strengths and hire out the time suckers. And so that you can elevate your business or create opportunities to keep growing and then hire folks to help you kind of attain the next level and the next level because you it's hard to get there on your own. So I guess that's my appreciation <laughs> post for Pia to become my expander to show what's possible. And I'm just thankful to have found you on this journey of business building, but have been, you know, taking in all the lessons and they have served me and my business very well. So I guess I encourage others to seek that type of mentorship and that kind of uh, allow themselves to invest in themselves is my point. Well, thank you very much. You've been a perfect um, case study for it because you really, you do the work, you show up, you do the work, you internalize the ideas, you try them, you, if things don't work, you try again, right? You were saying earlier, test, I mean, you're a marketer at heart, so it's kind of in your blood, but it's still like not an easy thing to do in your own business, like test, pivot, test, try again, you know, that's business too. That's marketing for sure, but that's also business. Well, that's a perfect place to wrap up our conversation. Thank you so much for coming on, Aga. It was such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me. If you or someone you know is a busy professional who has no idea where to start with your marketing, then you should definitely check out agalandbrand.com and book a call with Aga to see if you're ready for a marketing jam where she will get you the brand and marketing clarity your business needs to start attracting those ideal clients. I will share a link to that in the show notes at piasilva.com backslash podcast. On another note, I am starting a new series where I will be answering questions directly from you, the listeners. All you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts and ask your question in the review. And if I pick it to answer on this podcast, I will invite you to then schedule a 15-minute call with me where I can help you unstick your brand or your business. I have literally found people's niches, helped write awesome taglines. I've even found $10,000 opportunities in these 15-minute calls. So it's worth a shot, huh? I look forward to hearing from you there. Also, if you know other entrepreneurs who struggle to put their business in its place and could benefit from hanging out with us, please share this podcast with them. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode again. Taking inspiration from our conversation with Aga today, what is the next step in your business that you have been maybe avoiding? Is there a way that you can either just suck it up and do it or find a smaller step that you can take first that's maybe a little less scary? Building the muscle of taking leaps and trying the scary stuff is how you build the muscle to take the bigger leaps in the future. It's the backbone of success in business, and it might just be your next step to showing your business who's boss. Show Your Business Who's Boss is produced by Yellow House Media. Production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode is edited by Marty Seafeld. 
production assistance by Kristen Runvik. Our theme music is Glass Prisms by Western Runners. 